Hey, Dietnam the Bridge listeners, how's it going? Today we have TSN hockey announcer Ray Ferrero on air with us, who not only announces hockey games, but used to play in the NHL for the Islanders, Rangers, Blues, and Kings. He also played with the Atlanta Thrashers, which no longer exist in the NHL as the Atlanta Thrashers. So, how are you? I'm good. I am um, I'm well into my second career, which is to broadcast, but um, I often say when people ask me about it, you know, when I was a little boy, I dreamed of playing in the NHL, and there's not many people get to live their dreams. So it was 18 years that went by very quickly, but I felt unbelievably fortunate to play pro hockey for so long. Oh, yeah, not just playing, too. He was a really, really good player. Well, you know what? It's funny. You get in there, and you're. it's so much about survival that the years go by, and you you know, for me, it was about production offensively and, you know, trying to trying to make sure that I scored enough that because I played at a time when little guys didn't really have a lot of support in the league. I mean, I'm I'm five nine and, you know, I was about 180 pounds and it it was hard. And so I was like, man, I I was so all consumed with being in. Um, sometimes I wish I would have enjoyed it a little more, but being in it was the best. So um, talking like about the broadcasting end of it, so I know quite a few players of like any professional sport really kind of end up in positions like coaches or broadcasters. What made you want to stick with the sport hockey and join broadcasting? Um, in 1996, uh, I got traded from the Rangers to Los Angeles. And, um, I, you know, there's the old saying, everything happens for a reason. I mean, I... I was devastated. I was at a, on a really good team in New York, and I got traded to a team that wasn't very good in L.A. Well, I was out in L.A. about five weeks, right near the end of the season, and I got a call from a, a guy at ESPN. His name is Barry Sachs. And Barry was in charge of all the on-air talent at ESPN2 at the time. And he had, he's a big Rangers fan, and he had seen me with the Rangers and the Islanders previously, and he knew I could do an interview, I guess, or I like to talk. And so he asked me if I wanted to come in to the studio and do some work on NHL Tonight, which was a nightly highlight show, wrap-up show at the end of the playoff games. And so I said, I've never done it, but you know, I'm not going to make the playoffs in L.A. Sure, I'll come. Well, I guess it went well, and the next year I went back for longer, and the third year I went back for longer. So the fact of the matter was their team was no good in L.A., but it opened up an opportunity to broadcast for me, and and I really liked it. it I always thought I would coach, but at the end of my career um, in 2002, um, I had gotten to a point where um, you know I was divorced, and my boys were 13 and 10, and coaching is a transient position. You oh, yeah. coach, you do well, you move to the next city to climb the ladder. If you do poorly, you get fired. In broadcasting, you can build a little bit of stability, at least I thought. And so I came back to, to Canada, and um, you know my boys were 13 and 10 at the time, and I was able to get into broadcasting, and I had no formal training, Will, none. And I just started, and people said, gee, you do a good job at it. And I studied it, and I researched what other guys did, and um, I found a way to research the league. Uh, it was tedious, and it took a long time. I've now refined that quite a bit, but um, this, is what I, this is what I like to do. I love it, and 
I miss being involved in the wins and losses of coaching or management, but I don't think I'd trade this for anything. Oh, yeah. Man, I feel so lucky to get, like, the high school experience of broadcasting kind of gets me into it early plus it like my teacher's really good he's taught me so much stuff already and i think i'd be a lot more prepared if i were to look into something like that well the one of the things i did learn is if somebody asks you hey can you broadcast this whatever it is tell them yes Hmm. and then figure it out because if you say no i'm not really sure then they're going to give it to somebody else that is true be confident research whatever it is like if they're asking you to make a broadcast about flowers and you know nothing about flowers well get on the internet and learn about flowers and then speak with a conviction that of something that you've just learned and i find the best broadcasters have passion for what they do and that is easily transferable to whoever's listening you know tony romo retired as a quarterback with the cowboys and i think the two things that people connect to Tony Romo with, one is his ability to look at the play and call it out in advance, and two is he sounds like he's having fun. We're not solving world hunger here. It's sports. It's supposed to be fun. People watch sports because it's fun, and it's a break from their everyday life. They want to have passion. And if the guy broadcasting it doesn't have it, why are they going to follow it? They don't want to listen to that. That's true. It's kind of like it's a thing... I guess you could say it's a thing that kind of keeps people, like, entertained. People, especially just hearing the names of a professional player on there makes you think that they know what they're talking about. Even though anyone that you've probably never heard of probably researching and doing all the same work, it really, really helps you out there, and it makes you well-known quickly. For sure, it gives you a leg up. Um, It gives you instant credibility that um, whatever happens on the ice, in this case for me, I've probably actually done that. Mm-hmm. I've, I've been, you know, I played for 18 years. I played 1,258 games. I'm in the top 100 all-time wow. of goals scored. Um, I, I was there. You know, I saw it. It's like when you go, if you were to go get your car fixed, you wouldn't take it to a guy that talks a lot about cars. You'd take it to a mechanic, somebody that had been to school, somebody that had actually done it before. I mean, at least I would. And so I think that gives us a, you know, the the ex-pro athlete certainly gives you a leg up on the mm-hmm. analyst side. On the play-by-play side, it doesn't matter. The play-by-play side has to have enthusiasm, uh, memory, recognition, a quick, uh, quick recall, and you have to be able to paint the picture of what the people are seeing. Not just tell them what they're seeing. I mean, that's TV. They can see it. But you have to paint them a picture of what's going on. Two different sides to it. I can't even imagine having to like repeat all those names, like just memorize memory wise. I don't think I could do that with all of those. You'd people. be surprised because you'll build your own system, whatever it is. I'll give you an example on Tuesday, which is May the 7th. Um, I'm flying to Europe for three weeks to broadcast the world hockey championships. I don't know any of the rosters in full yet, yet on Friday of next week, I'm going to be broadcasting the tournament. So I have to know the players, the numbers, where they came from. I'll get it done. I used to panic about it, but now I have a system that helps me get through it. And you build it, and that becomes your experience. And then the way you do it doesn't have to be the same as the way anybody else does it. It has to be tailored to the way that you do things, the way that you remember things. 
the way that you can regurgitate information. When you study for a test, I'm sure you don't study it the same way that your dad used to study for stuff. He did it his way. You do it your way. As long as you retain it and are able to get it out, then your way is the right way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just I have I do some weird things when I'm studying. Weird things that help me remember. Weird memorization tacks for like chemistry elements that kind yep. of stuff. I think everyone does. Sounds really. I think important. they do too. Now, for some people, it's a almost like a word association thing. One thing reminds you of another. I've always had a really good memory, but what I've been re- always really good with is numbers. Um, like math was a piece of cake for me. I just got it. So I can look at a player once. I know he's number 12. I know he shoots left-handed. I know how he skates. And I don't even have to know the guy's name, but I know number 12 does that. All around the 12. It's kind of a weird coincidence that number 12 is my number. Yeah. Oh, is it? Yeah, it is. That's... Man. See, for me, it was 21. I left oh. home when I was number 21, and I retired as number 21. That's pretty cool. I'd always want to stick with the same number, but the team that I've, spring team that I've been playing on, there's an older kid with number 12, so I have to switch my number up. Switch your number, of course. It's yeah. the way it works. All right, so kind of an off-topic question here, but a lot of people have been in outrage about the call on Eakin, which allowed the Sharks to make a comeback. So what do you think about it when you were uh, broadcasting it? Well... I was about 75 feet away. Um, I was between the benches, so I'm standing literally on the San Jose bench. And I can tell you without question, no matter what anybody else says, because I was there, nobody knew what happened. The Hmm. San Jose bench just started to yell because they saw that Pavelski was down. But nobody had any clue really what happened. Like, how did he end up on his back? Nobody knew. The Vegas bench didn't know. I certainly didn't know. I said immediately into my headset back to the truck, you know, to our producer, I said, what happened? They said, we don't know. Here's the, here's the replay. And they ran the replay in my monitor. It took me three times to figure out what happened. People can be outraged, but that call was made with a bunch of traffic. Like there was a bunch of guys around there. It really wasn't a, a play that was any different than a lot of other face-offs. However, it had a terrible repercussion when Pavelski got hurt. The fact that Cody Eakin cross-checked him, that happens a lot. That's a two-minute penalty. The fact that Stastny bumped him and Pavelski was so far off balance that he wasn't able to stabilize himself, that's a crazy bad coincidence at a terrible time. I don't think it was a five-minute major. The officials got together, and I don't know how they would have been able to sort it out, but they came up with the five-minute major. And it was a critical, obviously, turning point in that series. From what I could tell, it looked like Stasny was just going up to the point like he normally would. Like, he wasn't even looking at Pavelski, and he kind of just bumped into him. And nobody actually hit him in the face, but I think there was a lot of blood. The trainers had to rush out quite quickly. It was a big issue. And I think Eakin probably would have gotten hunted if they didn't take him out of the game. But five minutes is a bit questionable. I agree. Well, I I don't know... I don't know if anybody would have realized what happened. The players were more angry at Stastny, San Jose players, than they were at Eakin. I don't think anybody really knew, even at that point, if you go back and watch, I believe it's Logan Couture who gets right up into um, Stastny's face. And they're going at it. They're chirping at each other pretty hard. Like, I think 
they felt that the penalty was on Stassi. But when you look at it, it's exactly as you mentioned. He's just racing to the point. The faceoff was lost. His job is to get to the point. He ran. Pavelski's in the way. You're going through him. And unfortunately, it was a terrible circumstance that ended with him being hurt. All right. Well, we're running out of time. You probably have a game to broadcast. Would that be right? Are you doing uh, the Sharks-Avalanche game? No, tonight I'm off, and so I'm uh, I'm going to watch my nine-year-old play Little League Baseball. So uh, this is a good day tonight. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I remember Little League Baseball. It's so fun. It's awesome. I, I enjoy watching it. And I'm As I said, I'm home till Tuesday, so I'm cramming in as much as much family time as I can. Yeah. All right. Good for you, then. And it's really been an honor to have you. Thanks for coming. And, yeah, this will be about it. Thank you so much. And this has been Will Pullerin from The Water Break with NHL star Ray Ferrero. Keep listening to 88.9 The Bridge.